My prayer, my soul, waits for the Lord. My hope is in His word. More than the watchman waits for dawn, my soul waits for the Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, in darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew, and hear my cry for mercy, Lord. Were you to count my sinful ways, how could I come before your throne? Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze. I stand redeemed by grace alone. I will wait for you, I will wait for you on your word. I will rely, I will wait for you, surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied. So put your hope in God alone. Take courage in his power to save. Completely and forever one. My Christ emerging from the grave. I will wait for you. I will wait for you on your word. I will rely. I will wait for you. Surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied. Now he has come to make a way, and God himself has paid the price. And all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. I will wait for you, I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. I will wait for you, surely wait for you, till my soul is satisfied. I will wait for you, I will wait for you, through the storm and through the night. I will wait for you, surely wait for you, for your love is my delight, for your love is my delight. Amen. Please be seated. It's always this time of year that we uh, put these flags up here, and uh, it's not just for missions. It's to remember that this, this congregation, we serve the same God who's glorified by brothers and sisters all around the world. And, um, you know, if you, if you spend any time at all in this congregation, and I want to say this especially if you're, if you're new here or if you've come here in the last year, you're going to learn very quickly that in so many different ways, this congregation has a... Um, a very high global IQ. We, uh, we're familiar and with the rest of the world. And you know, when you're watching the, the news and you hear about problems in the world, it's easy to look at the rest of the world as those people over there, them, 
and, and, and then our fear kicks in and we think all the mess and all the problems are out there and we don't want any of that here. But in so many different ways, when we're obedient to God, we realize that God is working through people everywhere. Time and space means nothing to him, and, and we have connections. Um, yesterday, I was in Searcy, and we were there to lay Bob Fisher to rest uh, at the Memorial Gardens uh, in Searcy. And uh, every time I, I thought about Bob, I remembered that there's so many other flags that could be put on this stage. Because I think that Cure has had an influence in uh, just about every country on earth and nearly every continent. And I think if we could find a way to send supplies to Antarctica, if there was a need, they'd, they'd do it and they'd get all seven uh, somehow. I don't know the exact stats and it doesn't matter. The point is is that just by doing everyday things, people like me and you can make an impact around the world. And, um, and there's information that I've posted. I even posted a link to the sermon that Bob gave uh, three years ago on April of 2016. Um, and, I, and I think I've also been asked to tell you, and you should know this, you can always give a gift, and you can give a gift right now in Bob's memory and I know they have a real need to do maintenance on their vehicles. But I'm going to tell you, if, if you haven't found a way to get involved in something, whether it's missions committee or cure or the uh, campus ministry or the mission trips that, and I, I want to say this, it's the mission trips that include the youth group but are certainly open to all of you. And Rick will have more to say about that next week. If you, haven't, you, know, if you just haven't discovered a way to get involved in any of that, just talk to people. Talk to me. Uh, there's always some opportunity to serve, and uh, it can be big, it can be small, but as long as you're obedient to God, it's going to be blessed. Let's give thanks again. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we open your word and we go to your word seeking a word of hope. Remind us, Father, that we have a hope in Jesus Christ, one that um, we don't have to doubt, one that we can take confidence in. And it will shape the way we behave. Father, be with me as I preach this word. Be with all of us as we listen to this word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. And in the middle of this image uh, about God keeping promises, there is a word and there is a very strong image about hope. God isn't unjust so that he forgets your efforts and the love you have shown for his name's sake when you served and continue to serve God's holy people. But we desperately want each of you to show the same effort to make your hope sure until the end. This is so you won't be lazy, but follow the example of the ones who inherit the promises through faith and patience. When God gave Abraham his promise, he swore by himself, since he couldn't swear by anyone greater. He said, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants. So Abraham obtained the promise by showing patience. People pledge by something greater than themselves. A solemn pledge guarantees what they say, and that shuts down any argument. 
when God wanted to further demonstrate to his heirs of the promise that his purpose doesn't change, he guaranteed it with a solemn pledge. So, there are two things that don't change because it's impossible for God to lie. He did this so that we who have taken refuge in him can be encouraged to seize the hope that is lying in front of us. This hope, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being, enters the sanctuary behind the curtain. That's where Jesus went in advance and entered for us since he became a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Some of you have heard me say that I've been uh, fascinated with this recent book by Dr. Mitu Storoni called Stress Proof. It's a, in, in the book, she lays out research that describes how stress isn't always bad, but stress is bad when it's chronic. And the best way to uh, deal with it is to learn a certain kind of resilience. And she has a lot of different techniques. But one of the, the factors in that book that, that got my attention was, uh, and I love brain science, is that our brains are, are made, they are, they are created to be calculators that work to predict the outcome of events. And so we, we learn from experiences, we learn from others, and we look at a situation and we think, okay, we've got a certain sense of certainty about what's going to happen here. Like right now, if you're wondering, man, when can we go out of here and get lunch? Experience has taught you that I preach for just, say, 15 minutes, and, uh, yeah, and, um, and, and, and you're, so you have a certain set of hope and expectation. But if I go longer than that, then you start to get stressed because I've gone over the time and uncertainty sets in. And that's where our stress comes from. Our stress comes from uncertainty. We like to know the future. Have you ever wondered why there are so many um, uh, books written and movies made about time travel? And people get to figure out what the future is. And there's always something where we figure out the future and so we can predict what's going to come. In Back to the Future, Biff takes a, a book on sports betting back to his earlier self. And he says, become rich because now you'll know the outcome of every game. Who hasn't imagined, boy, that would be neat if somebody would just drop me off uh, a future book and, and, and then I could... I could know exactly what's going to happen and prepare for it. We think it would make us stress-free. Uh, we like this idea. Why do you think that there is such a fascination in our world with psychics and with fortune tellers? And you're thinking, oh, that's just superstitious nonsense. Is it? Have you been to some of our supermarkets lately? There's usually, there's usually some sort of uh, aisle that will have candles and blessings I remember the first one of these I saw was in Texas, and it was this aerosol can. And, and, and you could spray it, and it would bring a blessing of money to your house. And, um, and for some reason, it had, it had the head of an Indian chief on it. I don't know what that meant, but I've learned that I cannot understand such things. There's such a fascination with that because we like certainty. It relieves our stress. But I want you to know that hoping 
and wishing are not the same thing. We tend to put them both in the same basket. Dusty Springfield had a hit song saying that hoping and wishing were the same thing. It's not. There's a difference. And I know Dionne Warwick sang it first. I don't know. which I'm not certain about which version I like the best. But hoping and wishing are not the same thing. We tend to make wishes our hope without certainty. We wish something would happen. I wish I would win the lottery. Am I certain of that? No. I wish the Razorbacks would win a game. Am I certain of that? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, somebody told me that I needed to apologize after throwing them under the bus last week. And uh, I, boy, I am sorry. Uh, anyway, hoping can be certain, though. You can have a certain hope. If you've been worried about a diagnosis and then you have gone through some, some blood tests and you've had some work done and then your doctor, your physician comes to you and says, I am very hopeful of you making a full recovery. That hope has a certain measure of certainty behind it and it does give you hope. That's not just wishful thinking. So I want you to understand that hope can be much deeper. And it is, it is very close to the idea of certainty. And hoping and hope are very much strengthened when they are backed by a trustworthy promise or a pledge. Now I've got to say something about pledges. Okay, um, The word pledge here in Hebrews where he talks about God making his promise, and then God makes a pledge. And he makes this promise to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, at 75 years of age, 75 years of age, I mean, Abraham has been getting mail from AARP for 25 years at this point. I hate it when AARP sends me mail, because I'm not retired. They're just rubbing it in. I don't want to be a part of AARP. Anyway, they, uh, I want to be retired, but I don't want to be a part of that. Anyway, here he is 25 years into this, and God makes him a promise then, and he says, and I'm going to make you a pledge. I'm going to swear by you. Your descendants, you see all the stars in the sky? It'll outnumber that. So every time you look at that, I'm going to hand that to you. That's a coupon. That's a reminder. That's a little token that you can carry with you. And remember this promise that God made to you today. See all the sand on the beach? That's a little token. That's a little reminder. Here's a little, little reminder of the promise that God has made to you today. And Abraham has to be patient for another 25 years nearly. When God makes a promise and he swears, he can't swear on a higher power. You know, I don't, I don't really know how it's done anymore these days, but you see it in all the courtroom dramas where somebody comes up to put their hand on the Bible and they're, you know, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, I do. Okay, and they do that, all right? And they're swearing on a Bible. They're swearing. To God. And we've gotten all concerned about that because we're afraid that somehow you're not supposed to do that. But do you understand what the origin of that was? The origin of that was that you were connecting yourself to a higher power and saying, if I lie, then I am accountable 
to this higher power. You see oaths sworn like that in the Bible where somebody says, you know, my hand to God, if I am lying, then may God do to me as I deserve. Oh, now that's invoking a lot of power. Our world doesn't really do that anymore because I think we just depend on ourselves and we assume now that everyone is lying. We assume that people are lying. We assume that people in public are lying. And we don't really have a a higher power to swear by. Well, then maybe we can understand God's dilemma, which is really no dilemma. Is that with God, he can't swear by any higher power, but he can swear by himself. And that's a great thing to swear by. So that when Hebrews, when it says there's two things that can't change. In other words, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Number one, immutable fact. Number two, when God makes an oath to God, he can't change that. He can't back out of it. So you have a two-ply, reinforced promise from God. Those are the two things that make it certain that we can trust in God. What I want you to hear from this is, is that when we go about our everyday lives, when we're faced with stress, and we're faced with stress because of uncertainty, We don't know how our lives are going to turn out. We don't know what's going to happen to us today. We might be worried about the turn of events in our own life. We might be worried about the turn of events in our world, in our nation, in our community, even in our church. And we're so worried about it because of all the uncertainty. And yet, right in front of you is the two-ply, double-reinforced promise of God that says no matter what else happens, you can be certain of this. God is going to keep his promise in your life why don't we lean everything on that instead of getting focused on the uncertainty patience is our response our appropriate response to God's oath to his promise and his pledge we have other responses to it we can ignore it we can forget about it we can try to reinforce it ourselves Abraham and Sarah tried to do that I mean, that, God wasn't delivering on that promise anytime soon. And here they are in their, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. They're thinking, you know, we don't even buy green bananas. We don't know if we'll be around long enough to enjoy them. And so they say, why don't we help God out a little bit? Yeah, sounds like a great idea. God shows up later at the right time and he says, oh, that wasn't my solution. I didn't come up with that. That was your business. And yet God still works around it and blesses it. Patience is our appropriate response to God's oath. And you know, I think that patience might really be a stress reliever as well. Because if we're stressed out about things that are uncertain, then why don't we take security in things that we are certain about, like hope? Um, There's an image in Hebrews that I think we may have overlooked. We sing songs about it even, but it's an anchor. Now, Kidman's Zone, I told you you were going to help me out. So I want you all to put on your thinking caps for a second, okay? I'm going to ask you a question, and then you can tell me your answers. When, when, when I bring up the idea of an anchor, an anchor, and you see that picture on the screen, what does an anchor make you think about? Who wants to give me an answer? What? A boat. Good answer. What else? Ocean, okay. Does it make you think about anything else? What does an anchor do to that boat in the ocean? 
It keeps it from moving. It holds it in place. Well done, Kidman Zone. Thank you. Yeah. It's a very simple image. An anchor. I learned something. We look at a cross and we think that's the symbol of Christianity. Did you know that in the earliest centuries, one of the symbols of Christianity was the anchor? You can go to the catacombs and you can see in the, in the graves and in the inscriptions that people left in the catacombs, their hidden symbol for Christianity was the anchor. Because the anchor was a symbol of hope. And right here in Hebrews, he says, seize the hope that is lying in front of us. Grab onto it. That anchor will not hold that boat unless that boat is holding on to that anchor somehow. There's got to be a chain. There's got to be some connection to that anchor. And then the boat won't drift away. The boat won't be carried away. You and I have got to grab hold of our anchor that is Jesus Christ. You know, the phrase carpe diem has been around for centuries. It goes back to Roman writings. It's Latin for seize the day. And you probably heard about the phrase from Dead Poets Society. Oh, we love Robin Williams and his movie Dead Poets Society. And I do too. It's one of my favorite movies. But, okay, spoiler alert, but I think the statute of limitations on Dead Poets Society is over. So let me tell you something. I couldn't understand, still can't to this day, and it's even gotten worse, that with this movie that has such a great message, Carpe Diem Seize the Day, and Robin Williams is inspiring these young men to do something great and do something wonderful, and then the whole thing ends so tragically. They don't seize the day. They give up. They give up. Well, I've got a better phrase. How about carpe ancorum, which is Latin for seize the anchor or seize the hope. See, one of the reasons why carpe diem is going to, and maybe I shouldn't be so upset about the ending of Dead Poets Society because it reminds us that if we put all of our faith in ourself and if we trust only in our feelings rather than the facts about the universe, we're going to get depressed. We're going to get down. We might give up if it's all on us. But the Word of God says that our anchor is Jesus Christ. He's the one that holds us firm and secure. He has done something that means our future is not this fuzzy future that we may or may not get to, but it is anchored firmly in heaven in the future. All this talk about priests and the curtains and the order of Melchizedek and promises and pledges. I get it. You get stressed every day and you're thinking, I don't know what all this Bible history has to do with the life that I'm living every day. It has everything to do. You don't have to understand it like a scholar, but just know this. That what God did in Jesus Christ. That what Jesus did by going before us and securing our hope in heaven and on earth means that God's purposes are going to be fulfilled. It means that the worst things, the stressful things, the uncertain things are never going to be the last things. It means that ultimately God's got this. This anchor, I'm telling you, I think we need to revive this idea of the anchor, okay? The anchor that we have, 
this anchor that is a symbol of hope. It's our safe and secure anchor, he says, for your soul. That, that, that's not your soul as opposed to your body. That's not the, the you that is a Casper the ghost that pops out of your body. That's, your soul is your life. It's your whole being. It's your entire existence. Jesus Christ is the anchor for your entire life. So when you're worried about the future, grab hold of the anchor. When you're feeling regret and pain for the past, grab hold of the anchor. You're, you're, you're set, okay? You're safe. You're secure. Seize the hope that is lying right there in front of you. Why is this hope our safe and secure anchor? It's our hope because we have an eternal priest in heaven securing our future with God. You know, I love it that sometimes folks are, are encouraged and comforted because I'm praying for them or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving them a word of assurance or, or something. Um, and I think it's kind of that idea of clergy. Some of us had to go to the hospital here recently and get our clergy parking pass, you know. Let me tell you, that's one of the perks of being clergy is that you get a parking pass at the hospital and you get a little badge and you can go places. Other than that, I've never really understood what a clergy is. It sounds like the kind of thing that happens to milk when you leave it too long. It clergies. And uh, so I don't get that. But I know that priests are people who intercede for others. And I want you to know something. I, I'm a priest to you, but you're a priest to me. And beyond that, I'm not a special priest or anything like that at all, okay? I don't have any special relationship with God that gets you in to the, to the, you know, to the best seats in heaven or anything like that. No, that's not me. I'm just like you. I'm one of the crew. I'm one of the family. But that, here's the good news. You don't need me in that way. You need Jesus. He's the priest that gets you into heaven. He's the priest that gets your prayers listened to at the throne of God. He's my priest too. And he's yours. And we don't have to worry about losing him like, man, he's been a great priest. But, you know, I mean, uh, we're going we're gonna to have a new election for priest. And then we don't know what's going to happen. Nope. He's eternal. Just like Melchizedek. He doesn't have to be a part of a special lineage. He doesn't have to prove it. He's just there. And that lasts forever. And that's why you and I can have certainty. is because Jesus is asking us to rely on him. He is our anchor in heaven because of his obedience to God and what God did through him here on earth. That's the good news that we preach. That's the good news that's been given to you today. So what's it going to take for you to seize the hope, to seize the anchor that is before you in Jesus Christ? Well, I think that's one of the things about our baptism. Our baptism is our submersion into the life of Jesus. You know, I mean, boats, anchors make you think of boats and it makes you think of oceans. It makes you think of waters. And our baptism is kind of our anchor point where we recognize, hey, look, I'm submerging my life into his. He was baptized. I'm baptized. This is death and burial and resurrection. I'm, connect, I'm holding on to, I'm seizing it right here and now, that hope that's in Jesus Christ. That's what happened at your baptism. That's what can happen at your baptism. That's what it's about. So I, I pray that this gospel makes you certain about a hopeful future in God. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask that you would uh, be with us today, that when the uncertainty of the future and the uncertainty of circumstances uh, takes place around us, whether it's for us 
or family members or friends or the church, I pray, Lord, that you will um, remind us of your pledge and your promise and the priest that we have who is always there for us. And, Father, I pray that we will be safe and secure and firm holding on to that anchor and that it changes the way we live, it changes the way we feel, and it changes the way we trust and hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song if we can encourage you today. There will be shepherds here and in room 100.